0: Hi, my name is John Torpy, and I'm director of the Ralph Bunch Institute for International Studies at the Graduate Center of the City University of New York. Welcome to International Horizons, a podcast of the Ralph Bunch Institute that addresses a range of issues of significance around the world. Today's topic is the coronavirus in Italy. To address that topic, we are fortunate to have with us today, Professor Luca Storti, who is an associate professor of economic sociology at the University of Turin, as well as a research fellow of the Ralph Bunch Institute. His research interests include local economic development, the expansion of mafia groups and regional differences within and between countries. He has published a number of peer reviewed articles and books on these topics, and has been both living through and closely following the coronavirus crisis in Italy. Welcome, Professor Storti. Thank you, John. Great to have you with us. Thanks. So let's dive right in. Um, Can you tell us how, where, and when the pandemic emerged in Italy?
1: Well, thank you, John. It's my pleasure to speak with you and to get in touch with you all in New York City. In January 2020, we have already had some cases in Italy, but the situation was still quiet and similar to other European countries at that time. The actual outbreak of the pandemic was uh, February 21st, when we uh, started to have several cases located at the territorial level in northern Italy, more precisely in some villages in the southern part of Lombardy which is the most productive region of the country, where you have also the city of Milan, and in Veneto region, which is actually well-known worldwide for being the region where you can find Venice. After these cases emerged, the government has taken the first uh, containment measures. That is to say almost 15 uh, counties or municipalities have been put in quarantine, both in the region of Lombardy and the uh, uh, in Veneto. And that happened on February 23rd. And that was the beginning of this crazy and sad story, Story which in a few days has changed uh, Italy to some extent, and in two weeks has changed, and it's still changing the entire world.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, now, I know you're not an e- epidemiologist, but can you tell us Uh, about the pattern of evolution of the pandemic in Italy?
1: Well, after a few days since the pandemic began, it was unfortunately uh, clear that two typical aspects of a pandemic were already possible to be found. Firstly, a territorial spillover effect in the diffusion, and secondly, an exponential pattern of the diffusion curve. Uh, After more or less one month, We have had more than uh, 115,000 official cases, and we still have now more than 83,000 official active cases, which means that almost 19,000 people have already recovered, which is the good part of the story. The worst part of the story is that we have had in Italy more than 14,000 deaths, which is the highest number of deaths by country worldwide till now at least, this date is rather shocking as Italy is not that big compared to other countries. And this shocking date concerning the total deaths had me think of the uh, terrible outlook of this illness, which might have a low infection death rate, but has a rather high total mortality rate since the virus is highly contagious so that a lot of people get sick. And this shocking date about deaths had me also think of the territorial pattern. If we look carefully at the Italian data, we notice that almost 8,000 deaths have happened in Lombardy, almost 1,000 deaths uh, in Emilia-Romagna, 500 in Veneto, and almost 1,000 in Piedmont. In other terms, more than 50% of deaths have happened in Lombardy, and more than 60% in Northern Italy. In the media, we are all speaking about Italy, but uh, we actually need to disaggregate the data at the territorial level. If we want to have reliable data and if we want to find out some suggestions or findings that could be useful both for Italy and for other countries to slow down the diffusion of the pandemic. To this aim, I do think, Um, interdisciplinary research teams might be useful. Epidemiologists, physics and social scientists have to cooperate um, as social demographic factors can affect how the pandemic spread out. Variables such as population density, age structure of the population, social interaction practices. Do people hang out often? Do they interact often with each other? Do young people frequently get in touch with old people? Are relevant to predict how the pandemic spreads out? As for the epicenter of the the pandemic in Italy, I have already said that it's located in Lombardy, mainly in two provinces, uh, provinces of this region, which are Brescia and Bergamo. And due to the aforementioned factors, Brescia and Bergamo have been an environment uh, suitable for a perfect storm, since they are characterized by high population density, old population, high infrastructure territory. People move a lot across that area, where you have a high, micro, small entrepreneurship rate. A lot of people run small business, and they move to cooperate with other entrepreneurs and a high density of social networks. I would like also to highlight that the majority of deaths are in Lombardy, despite of the fact that the healthcare system in that region is highly efficient. Lombardy has a world-class healthcare system, which scored 9.9 um, uh, 9 out of 10 in the OECD test. It is actually one of the best in the world. However we have to further analyze whether this system has changed in the last years while cutting a lot the territorial network of medical aids and while reducing the number of uh, urgent care beds per capita to concentrate resources in big, excellence hospitals. And secondly, it's a matter of testing the COVID. It seems uh, that in Lombardy, a widespread testing program has been carried out but this program has been concentrating uh, on symptomatic cases. Testing shall be used not only to get accurate data about uh, uh, coronavirus, but also to contain the pandemic. To this aim, you need to test asymptomatic cases to trace the virus and to break the transmission chain. Uh, It's possible that in Lombardy, it's possible it's just an hypothesis, but it's possible that in Lombardy, They have used testing as a way to have a picture of the illness uh, and have not used testing as a strategic means to contain it. Well, that
0: leads nicely into my next question, which is, you know, what has been the government's uh, response to the pandemic and how has the lockdown that we've all heard about uh, been implemented?
1: Well, Italy had to face a very difficult situation, as it has been the first country in the Western world to be badly hit by coronavirus. Therefore, Italian government had to act as first mover. The government decided pretty early to rely upon lockdown and social distancing measures, which have been gradually assumed concerning both the territorial point of view and the types of social and economic activities that have been uh, closed down. Uh, the first lockdowns began on February 21st, covering uh, 11 municipalities of the province of Lodi in Lombardy, in southern Lombardy, and affecting around 50,000 people. They created a sort of quarantine red zone. Residents were permitted to leave their homes with supplies such as food and medicine, but they were not allowed to. Uh, go to workplaces or to school. And public gatherings were also prohibited. And train services also bypassed that part of the region. Mm. And second, almost two weeks later, so it was about um, 11th March, the government announced the expansion of the quarantine zone to cover much of northern Italy, affecting over 16 million people, restricting travel uh, from, to, or within the affected areas, banning funerals and cultural events, and requiring people to keep at least one meter meter of distance from another in public locations such as restaurants, churches, and supermarkets. Third, a few days later, uh, so it was uh, 13 or 14 March, the quarantine measure were expanding to the, expanded to the entire country coming into effect in the next day. In a television address, the prime minister um, explained that the moves would restrict travel to that necessary for work and family emergencies, and that all sporting events would be canceled. And lastly, The prime minister announced a few days later, so almost 20 days ago, that the lockdown would be uh, tightened with all commercial and retail business, except those providing uh, essential services like grocery stores, food stores, and pharmacies closed down. We cannot go jogging anymore. We can leave our apartment to go grocery shopping and uh, pharmacies. Uh, in the last days, uh, the numbers of new deaths, infections, and severe coronavirus cases are showing an optimistic trend. We have some signs that the strict lockdown is working. We might be close to the peak of the pandemic, short of the beginning of the long and difficult descending phase of the pandemic. Mm. After the pandemic, uh, we'll have time to discuss whether it would have been better to uh, not hesitate to close down everything and to evaluate how the government has communicated these measures. In my opinion, the government has at least tried to act in a consistent way, thus by considering scenarios that scientists have been advising. Moreover, the government decided to communicate daily in a clear way the official data to the public opinion. We all know that the official data have problems and limitations, but given these limitations, I recognize that the government has established a pact of transparency and accountability with citizens. Hmm.
0: Okay, that's very interesting. Thank you. Um, So how would you say the experience in Italy compares with that of other European countries? I mean, it seems to me that the level of deaths has is basically comparable in Spain and relative to population in both countries it's extremely high relative to other countries in Europe and in, in fact in the world um, how would you say the experience of the European Union countries varies from country to country
1: well I do see a growing convergence between European countries. If you compare the data about different European countries, you can actually find uh, similar diffusion curves. It's a matter of fact that the Italian data are still tragic, although they seem to have stopped growing according to an exponential pattern. At the same time, the idea according to which the Italian data are so tragic. Uh, compared to those of other European countries is both true and misleading, Um, since the outbreak of the pandemic has happened in Italy at least two weeks before than other European countries. And two weeks of time is a huge amount of time, given the fact that the virus is spreading out in an exponential way. Just to mention some data about other European countries, as you say, John, Spain has almost overcome Italy in the total cases of coronavirus infected people, and it has higher relative numbers than Italy in terms of cases and deaths on population. The latest coronavirus data show uh, a record increase of deaths in Britain as fatalities rose by uh, 600. France is also showing a worrisome outlook. In Germany, the new cases are growing rather fast, uh, but they have been able to contain the deaths. I hope that Germany can keep this tendency over time, which could be related to a good and efficient testing campaign towards asymptomatic cases, which has to be um, cases which have to be detected and isolated to interrupt the infection chain when it is still latent.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, You know, as you probably know, um, experts here in the United States are now comparing the experience of the coronavirus here to that of Italy. Do you see lessons that the U.S. can learn from the Italian experience? Do you see any specific differences between the two countries that might affect the evolution of the pandemic?
1: Well, I think so, and, uh, and I hope so. Of course, we have to learn from each other, but Italy as early comer can help other to, countries to assume good measures and to improve the measures Italy has been assuming during the last uh, weeks. Moreover, the Italian experience can help to persuade some reluctant leaders to assume measures to flatten the diffusion curve. The more I learn about the, coro- the COVID, the more I get convinced. Uh, social distancing and lockdown are the only actual means we can rely upon, at least now. We can be willing to impose them or to call for a free acceptance from citizens having a high level of civicness and institutional trust, as they are trying to do in Sweden, but basically, these are the measures we have now. We need to slow down the spread, to reduce the load on hospitals and to reduce the number of overall um, fatalities. Under these circumstances, the idea of gaining the herd immunities is is utopian. And to this aim, we do need a a vaccine or a more reliable treatment that unfortunately we don't still have. As for the US, I think that Italy might teach how timing and territorial peculiarities are relevant. As for timing, it's relevant to not waste time in applying social distances, measures. As for the territorial peculiarities, I would say that the Italian Italian case teaches that there are some random initiating factors that shape the evolution of the pandemic according to a kind of path dependency perspective. If the virus starts in places with high proportion of elderly and high density of population, it's hard to contain it. In Italy, the outbreak happened to be in a territorial context, which is plenty of small and medium sized cities interrelated with each other. In the US has been happening in a big city such as New York. And this we also bring back an issue which has been popular in the social sciences some decades ago, relating to the perverse effects of urban overcrowding.
0: I see. So, I mean, we're not really at this phase yet. Uh, Italy may, as you say, be at perhaps around the peak or the apex of the curve that everyone's trying Maybe. to flatten with social distancing and other measures. Um how do you foresee the uh, managing the transition
1: from lockdown back to ordinary life? Well, this is actually the biggest challenge we will have to deal with. Uh, as I have said, the lockdown seems to be um, the best means um, uh, lockdowns uh, the best means we have in order to overcome the hardest phase, at least of the pandemic. And afterwards, while waiting a vaccine, a vaccine. be discovered, we have to find a way to reopen our societies. This is crucial for the economy and for the social inequalities. We are likely to experience the worst economic crisis of the last 150 years. Social inequalities are going to increase extremely. We are actually witnessing the biggest crisis since World War II, maybe. Uh, At the same time, we have to be careful to avoid frustrating the effort we have put in place to slow down the pandemic. Two days ago, the Italian prime minister addressed the nation on the COVID, and he claimed we don't still know when we can reopen the country. He stated also that the the government will rely upon the main opinions of scientists to schedule the restarting phase. He also said that they are working on a plan that will be shared with the public opinion in the next weeks, which might be based on three main factors. Uh, first factor is about territories. The, territorial, the territories that are badly hit by the virus will be open at a later time. Second factor is about the age of the workers. Young workers will be starting first Older workers will be start at a later time, so to divide the workers according their uh, vulnerability risks. And the third factor is about immunity. They will be trying to sampling the population to make blood blood investigations to identify the areas where you have a higher number of immune people, so to identify territories having higher resilience towards the virus. I can figure out that uh, these three factors might be on the basis of the plans of each government all over the world, but how we can concretely manage these three factors is a kind of titanic challenge to be taken care of. Right. Um, I'm curious to pursue
0: a little bit um, the point you made about the socioeconomic impacts of this um, and in particular your your uh, claim that this is going to exacerbate inequality. And I wonder if you could say a little bit more about that and why you think that's the case. Um, it occurs to me that there are those who have argued in recent years that um, you know it's only really in epidemics and wars and revolutions when the a, a kind of uh, intrinsic tendency towards inequality is actually slowed down so you know in the in the United States there's a you know there're various discussions going on partially you know fueled by the government response to the coronavirus crisis um, that you know envision kind of permanent changes like the introduction of a universal basic income for example which is uh, a A kind of, you know, part of the response that's taken place here in the United States. So I'd be curious to hear you say a little bit more about what you think are the socioeconomic uh, consequences of the crisis.
1: Well, I would say in the long run, it depends on the decisions the governments and the European governments are going to uh, assume. Uh, Last week, for instance, nine European leaders, among others, Conte, the Italian Prime Minister, and Macron wrote a letter to the President of the European Council asking for a mutualized asset to share some of the direct fiscal costs from the coronavirus pandemic. Mm -hmm. The European Council refused to act on this request. Afterwards, a debate within the EU has started. European countries are at odds over the opportunity to adopt a common instrument that has been called Corona Bond. The corona bond would enable European countries to get funds to support increased spending and lower taxes without increasing their national debt. The adoption of these bonds entails a political choice, uh, which is not easy to uh, achieve in a short time period. A second best would be to use the money of the mechanism of European stability The mechanism has been used during the financial crisis by countries such as Spain, Greece, and Portugal, and the countries that have required money from the MES have been forced to make some reform in social policies. They have been forced to cut public expenditure. In some, a compromise between the countries wanting to introduce corona bound, such as Italy, France, and Spain. And countries which don't want Corona bonds, such as Germany and Holland, can be found in giving the opportunity to use the MES without any conditions, apart from a general conditions according to which each country should use the money only to support health system and productive investments. Um, in my opinion, there is a strange cognitive bias in the European Union. Um, based on which this crisis has been conceived, it has an asymmetric shock. It's not an asymmetric shock. is um, As it was the financial crisis of 10 years ago, it is rather a sy- symmetric and general shock. No one is responsible for. Um, and this shock re- is requiring for new forms of coordination within the European Union if the European Union wants both to compete and cooperate with China and the US. And so I think if Europe uh, will be able to find a new way to cooperate and if Europe will be able to open up a discussion about the boundaries between economy and politics, about how we can regulate the economy in such a difficult situation. So we can maybe find a way to support social inequalities that you reduce them. Otherwise, it's, I think it's going to be really difficult to keep social inequalities under control. Uh, and so it depends on how uh, politics are, is, are going to react to the crisis, I would say. Mm-hmm. It is actually an open challenge.
0: Yes. But it sounds from some of the things that you've said just now that there is a kind of reassertion of some of the tensions that have pulled the European Union apart in recent years, basically a kind of north-south divide between Germany, the Netherlands, uh, perhaps France, the UK, not part of the EU, but – and uh, the Portugal, Spain, Italy – Greece countries. Um, do you see that happening?
1: Uh, it, sure. Yeah, it's a possibility. Uh, France is actually taking a different position. is actually one of the countries uh, which would like to have the corona bond. And so we have a slightly different um, distribution of the countries based on this north-south divide, as we have had in the Um, past years, but surely we could have again this kind of uh, north-south divide. And I can understand the reason why we can have again this deep cleavage since uh, southern European countries have had a role in the past in um, giving rise uh, financial turmoils Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can understand that the countries of Northern Europe are really careful in order to uh, force Southern European countries to take under control public debt and public deficits. But in this case, uh, the situation, in my opinion, is, a, is different. It's not a uh, a financial problem. It can be that the European southern European countries might have more problems than Germany and Holland, but they have not been responsible in creating the crisis. And I think that the better coordination could be useful to overcome the crisis and to give to the European Union um, a stronger, I would say, unity. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I mean, that's a, Uh, a huge problem, the north-south divide. It's a matter of fact that this divide is still there and that it can be um, a problem or a limitation in order to assume a coordination between different countries in the European Union.
0: Well, I think that's been a very helpful uh, set of observations about the situation in Italy and what it may foretell for our own future here in the United States and elsewhere in Europe. Um, I want to thank Professor Luca Storti for his insights into the coronavirus crisis in Italy. I also want to thank Christo Voinov for his help on the technological side. This is John Torpy of the Ralph Bunch Institute for International Studies at the City University of New York Graduate Center saying see you next time on International Horizons.